listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today I'm starting a brand new series called Craving, Craving, um, which is so appropriate, right? Um, when, I, when I fast food or certain types of food, it never fails. I always crave cheese. I don't know why. Some, some people are like, no, I want a steak. I want cheese, and not just any cheese. I want mozzarella cheese. So I'm like, I hate pizza commercials during this time because I, it's just a craving for me. And, and I shared this publicly many years ago when our church started fasting uh, on an annual basis. I, I shared it with the congregation. And there's one precious saint in our church that has never forgotten it. Bless her heart, she's never forgotten it. And she was here during first service. And, and I had prepared to share this with you, and she didn't let me down because her and her husband were greeting this morning. And, and Joni walked in, and she does this every year on the last day of our fast, and she gave me string cheese, <laughs> string cheese. And um, uh, she's, she actually gave me two. There's one still in my office. And, and this, this, she's just an amazing, amazing person. And I wonder, I just wonder to myself, do you have any cravings? Do you have any cravings? When, when Mandy was, was pregnant with our twins, Mandy had this strange appetite. And it wasn't normal, at least like the cliche, you know, pregnancy hunger that, that you know, it wasn't pickles and ice cream. That's, that's not what was, was appealing to Mandy. It wasn't spicy food like some pregnant women like to eat. That, that wasn't on, on her, her palate of, of what she wanted to eat. Now, Mandy, Mandy went extremely, extremely healthy, high class, and Mandy was craving Waffle House. I mean... <laughs> That's, that's what she wanted. And I don't know why. It wasn't like one of our favorite places to eat. But for some reason, that girl was hooked on the hash browns. She wanted the hash browns. She wanted them covered, smothered, topped, scattered, liced, and diced, and whatever else she could get them. That's how she wanted her hash browns. And so we, we went to, to uh, Waffle House quite a bit while she was pregnant. And um, it, we went so many times, I fully expected our kids to come out as truck drivers. That's just what I was, it's just gonna, you know, this happens. There's still time, Kendall. You could give up teaching and be a truck driver. In this room today, there is one thing that we all have in common. I know this. We all have appetites and cravings. Everybody in this room, we have appetites and cravings. I did not say that we all crave the same things because that's not true. But we all have appetites and cravings, and, and we all seek fulfillment in certain areas of our lives. There's, there's certain areas that, that we need fulfillment in, and, and the appetites are necessary for our physical, emotional, and even spiritual survival. God gave us these appetites in order for us to survive physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And obviously, by me using the word craving, I'm not just talking about our consumption of food. That's not what I mean. I'm using the word craving to describe any desire that we have to fulfill a specific need in our lives. It, it certainly can be a craving for food, but, but it can be a craving for power. It can also be a craving for pleasure. It can be a craving for work and accomplishment. It can be a, a craving for security. It can be a craving for companionship. It can be a craving for sex. It can be a craving for wisdom, a craving for even God. And it should be a craving for God. When hungry, the body craves food. When thirsty, we, we crave something to, 
to quench that thirst. We want water or, or, or some kind of liquid that will help. Appetites, they don't like to be ignored. When you need oxygen, when you want to breathe, you crave that air. When you're lonely, you crave companionship. And when you're not fulfilled in a certain area of your life, I can assure you that one of your appetites is not being fed. And this is dangerous. It's dangerous. Listen close to me. When you're not being fulfilled in a certain appetite in your life, you'll seek some way to fill it. And many people, many people, and we've all done it, will try and fill it with something. And sometimes it goes against the will of God. It goes against what God wants for our lives. And as I said, the longer that that appetite goes unattended, the stronger it becomes because it does not like to be ignored and it pushes you to be satisfied. Now, sometimes this can work in our favor. The one area that I know that we failed at in, in parenting and raising our kids, and we, I think we did a pretty good job, but, but I know that we absolutely, 100% positively failed in this area, is what we made them eat. More importantly, what we didn't force them to eat. Caleb, he's better now, and he was in first service, and I, I told his wife publicly how much I appreciate her because once Caleb got married, it, he, he started eating more. It's, it's not the best still, but, but it's better. But Kendall, this girl's the pickiest eater I know. She is. If you know her, you know what I'm talking about. Pasta and chicken fingers are the, the, the key to her heart. That's it. And she can eat them 24-7 all day, every day. Yep. It's going to catch up with you one day. I've been telling you that for most of your life, too. Since he's two, year old, two years old, I'm like, he's going to catch up with you because I'm a great father that like that. That's what I do. But many times I told Mandy, make them eat what we eat. Make them eat what we eat because when they get hungry enough, they'll eat it. How many of you were raised that way? We fail, babe. We fail. We're horrible parents. We're horrible. Don't be pointing the finger at me. Oh. Appetites do not like to be ignored. And the longer it waits, the more vulnerable it becomes. And if we don't learn to manage our appetites, our cravings in a godly way, You'll go in search of something to alleviate that need. And it's dangerous. And we do it in very, very many aspects of our lives. For the basis of this study, many of the metaphors and anecdotes that, that I'm going to use will be centered around food. Mainly because I want to torture you on this last day of the 21-day fast. Because I'm a kind-hearted person and I love you. No, seriously, seriously. The reason why today will be about, about food like this is because food is what first got us in trouble. Think about it. Food is what first got humanity in trouble. 
And so I think it's only appropriate for us to go back to Genesis, which I often do in January anyway. I, I like going back to, to the beginning of my Bible, and there's things that just jump out of the pages at me. And so today I'm going to be reading out of Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. But, but remembering this, food is what first got humanity in trouble. I think it's important for us to go and look at this. So I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. Then we're going to go 15 through 17. Then we're, then we're going to jump down to chapter 3. So just kind of bear with me as we kind of work our way through this narration here. But Genesis chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 8. <clears throat> And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat. Of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Let's pause just for a moment before we go to chapter 3. What you need to recognize first and foremost is that this is the first fast initiated in the Bible. It's a partial fast. It's not a full fast. It's a partial fast. But this is the first fast that is initiated in the Bible. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what God told them. You can eat from everything else, but don't eat from that tree. And here's what fasting does. If you want to know, if, if you're on the outside looking in and you're like, I just don't get this. I know, Pastor, you said it's biblical. I know that you said Christ said when you fast, not if you fast. I, I get all of that, but it's so strange. I don't understand it. And you won't until you try it because when you fast, it creates a hunger for God. That is the reason why some of us right now on this last day of this 21-day fast, we're, we're, we're a little uneasy right now because we know what we've experienced. We know the feeling that we've had, and we don't want to lose that because when you fast, it creates a hunger for God. It creates a dependency for God. It, it, it creates this, this, this knowing in our hearts that God is our provider, and, and we don't want to lose that feeling because it, it feels like you're more alive during those times because fasting creates this hunger hunger for God, and, and I want to go after him, and I want to chase him more whenever I am fasting. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And church, let's pause. Listen, listen to me. This is what the enemy does. This is how he deceives us. He will give you a partial truth. And some of us will jump on the bandwagon not even knowing that it's Satan's voice that we're listening to because it's a partial truth. The enemy is wise. He, he schemes against us. And the way that he gets us to fall sometimes is he gives us this partial truth. And he tells them. He says, you're going to gain knowledge. You're going to know good and evil. But it's also painted with a lie. You will not surely die. And we know the truth. 
We know the truth. We know that at that moment, human beings that were created to live eternally in communion with God, it was in this moment when sin entered humanity, when they disobeyed God and ate from that tree, that death entered. And, and now we all have to face death. It's appointed unto man wants to die. We will die unless we see the second coming of Christ. We have to perish. It, it, it's going to happen, and it's happened to, to men and women since the beginning of humanity. Satan lies, paints this half-truth. Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. It's important for you to understand this, and, and I think we miss this so many times when we read this, but Adam and Eve craved knowledge. That's what they were looking for. Adam and Eve craved knowledge. They wanted to know what was good and what was evil. God understood it. Why can't we understand it? We want to know more. And so they craved knowledge. Notice that they were not hungry for food. That's not what this is about. It wasn't fruit hanging from a tree, a forbidden tree, and they were starving. No, they were starving for knowledge is what they wanted. They were not hungry for food. God had given them every tree in the garden, including the tree of life. The tree of life. You can eat from the tree of life. And the tree of life was an interesting tree, just to say the least. It's, it's, it's an amazing tree. Because the tree of life, it didn't just produce one fruit. The tree of life produced 12 different kinds of fruit. I, I love grapefruit. I really do. It's one of my favorite fruits. And, and I'm an expert at cutting and eating grapefruit. I mean, it's just, I know how to do it. I'll teach you sometime. My dad taught me. There are a couple of families in our church that they know this, and they will sometimes bring me fruit from their trees, and it's great. It's perfect because they have two different types of, of grapefruit. And um, just last Sunday, I was gifted a bag of, of grapefruit. Uh, one of our staff members came down the hallway with a bag and put it in my office. And I was sitting in there, and he said, uh, Frank and Beth Tipton wanted me to, to give you this. And I said, oh, man, this is great. And, and let me tell you, they're gone. They were amazing. I loved them. My friend, Paul Sergio, he's here. And um, Paul is another one that will gift, gift me grapefruit um, when Heather doesn't cut it and knock it down. <laughs> sorry, Heather. <laughs> sorry. Sore subject. I'm bad. Um, uh, last year, last year, Paul taught me an interesting fact, though. I had no idea. And if you know this, and, and you've known this for a long time, and you think I'm dumb, just shut up, because I don't, I don't really want to hear it. But um, Paul taught me that there are trees that produce multiple different types of fruit. It quit nodding your head like, yeah, I knew that. I mean, I'm, seriously, I'm, I was ignorant to this. I, I had no idea that this was, I thought this was impossible. But horticulturists have have successfully grafted these trees to produce different types of fruit and essentially a new species of trees. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There's this one. It's a citrus version. And, and it grows oranges, mandarins, lemons, limes, tangelos, and grapefruit all on the same tree. Is that not wild? That one tree can produce all of those fruits? There's another one that is called the stone fruit tree. And it yields peaches, Apricots, plums, nectarines, peach cots, and peacherines. 
Peacherines. It's a fun word to say. You should try it. Peacherines. I've never had a peacherine, but I'm willing to try one. What a fun fruit. Peacherine. This is brilliant. This is brilliant that humanity can, can think of this stuff and figure this kind of stuff out. But as creative as the horticulturists are, as brilliant as they are, they were never the first to produce a tree that produces multiple types of fruit. And listen, God is the creator. He gifted us and he told us, you, now, go be fruitful and multiply. He, he, because we're made in his image, we get to be creative too. But God is the ultimate creator and God will never be outdone by man. Revelation chapter 22 and 2, it tells us and describes the tree of life that God gave to Adam and Eve. And here's what I love. One day when we get to eternity, when we get to the city of God, we're going to see this tree, the tree of life, according to the book of Revelation, and we will get to eat of its fruit. Listen to this. Revelation 22 and 2. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Get this picture. The river of life flows from the throne of God, and this tree is so big that its trunk goes down and covers both sides of the river. And the Bible says that in its leaves is the healing for the nations. Now, I know we cannot physically eat of the tree of life right now, but I'm telling you, we can partake of its fruit, church, when we decide that we are going to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're going to hang out over here in the tree of life. Because in the tree of life, there's forgiveness. In the tree of life, there's healing. When the tr in the tree of life, there's grace. In the tree of life, there's mercy. There's fruit over here in this tree. And the Bible says that the tree of life, every month it produces a, a different type of fruit. So Adam and Eve, they were not hungry. They had the tree of life to eat from and they had all the other trees in the garden to eat from. They were not hungry. They had plenty to eat. Their stomachs were not growling at the moment of temptation. They were not experiencing hunger pangs. They were simply hungry for knowledge. They craved knowledge. And let's be honest. The desire to know more is not evil in itself. Matter of fact, I think God created us with a desire to gain knowledge, to know more. And, and it's not evil to want to know more, but how you obtain that knowledge, it can be evil. Disobeying the word of the Lord is not the way to do it. Matter of fact, anything in your life if there's any craving that you have in your life, if it disobeys the word of God in order for you to fulfill that craving, you're missing it. You're falling into the temptation of the enemy. They craved knowledge and they went about it the wrong way. Proverbs 1 and 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 and 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 111 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. You see, Adam and Eve, in that moment, because of the grace, the friendliness of God, they were friends of God. God would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. And, and, and they became so comfortable in that 
that they wanted to be like God. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know what he knew, and they went about it the wrong way. I just wonder what would have happened if they just would have said, God, can you explain this to me? Can you teach me? Because how many of you know he is our teacher? He is our guide. He, he will lead us into truth and righteousness. Now, now this, this is what blows my mind. They were, they were a, Adam was a full-grown man. Eve was a full-grown woman when they were created. The Bible didn't say that, they cre- that God created a boy and a girl. He created a man and a woman. A full-grown man and a full-grown woman. But even though they were full-grown, they were still young and immature in their mentality. They didn't know it. They didn't have life experience. They didn't have the knowledge that so many of us gain by the time we reach the age of of their physical maturity. They were new to this thing. They were childlike. They were mere babes in their understanding. It's not that God didn't want them to grow in their intellect and understanding. God wants us to grow in our intellect and understanding. God created children with this instinct to know more. How do I know? Because if you've ever raised a child, you've heard this word. Why? But why, mommy? But why, daddy? Get ready. You two, get ready. It's coming. Why? And you answer that question, and it's followed with, but why? And you answer that one, and then it's like, why? And you finally reach this place, and it's like, because I said so. It's like, you don't need a reason any longer. It's because I said, I'm right. I'm, you're wrong. Just quit asking questions. This is why. Because I said so. Just because kids are just inquisitive. God created them with this desire to know more. God designed us to grow in our intellect. It's just that Adam and Eve were not ready for it. We used to have this thing called protective knowledge. It's been a long time since I've talked about it, so I'm going to share it a little bit here. Protective knowledge. What I mean by that is there used to be a day and age. When I was growing up, there were certain things that were never discussed at the, at the dinner table. Because we as kids, we were not ready for it. It was mature. It was above our heads. It was above our, our means of understanding. And so there were certain things that were never discussed. Things like sex. It, it, you would have never discussed that at the dinner table. There were certain things and characteristics about people that were never discussed at the dinner table. There were habits and, 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 and things about family members that were never discussed at the dinner table because as children, we couldn't, we couldn't comprehend it. Today, you can turn on the TV in the middle of the afternoon and it's all over the TV. And we have this loss of protective knowledge. But I'm telling you, it's not the way that God designed it. As a matter of fact, our kids went to public school and Mandy and I had to have the sex talk with our kids way earlier than what we prefer, way earlier than what we want because of what they were experiencing at school. And we wanted them to hear it from us and, and not get an understanding of this, especially the first impression of it the wrong way. And so we, we wanted them to, to and, and I, th- I thought we did a pretty good job. And then all of a sudden I realized I, I probably didn't tell Caleb some things and Bless his heart, but it's a story for another day, right? What I figured out is it's not a one-time conversation. You need to keep going with it, right? So, uh, protective knowledge. Protective knowledge. It's a beautiful thing, and, and God, was he's the greatest father. 
He's a good father. And God knew that Adam and Eve, were not, they're not ready for that information. And so he was protecting them from knowing what they didn't need to know. Imagine how different the world would be if humanity, not just Adam and Eve, because we're all guilty of it. Imagine how different the world would be if humanity would learn to wait on God and not rush to conclusions. Don't rush the process. There's some things I'm better off just not knowing. Amen? Really quick in closing this out. There are two dangers, two dangers that I want to bring your attention to this morning. The first danger is this. We often feel a craving with something that does not belong there. We do. You leave it, you leave it unattended for too long and it just has this, this tendency to intensify. And when it intensifies, you'll do whatever you need to do to fill that craving, that appetite. And sometimes we fill it with the wrong things. Sometimes we, not listen, you've got somebody in mind right now, it's you, it's me. We've all done it. We've all gotten ahead of God and we've, we fill that void. It's a God-sized hole in our hearts because the Bible says that he has set eternity into the hearts of men. We've all got a God-sized hole in our heart and when it's not fulfilled, sometimes we don't even know that it needs to be filled with God, that we need to turn to him and what's happening, church, is, is we're filling it with something that doesn't belong there and that's what causes so many people to pursue the wrong job. It, it causes people to make an irrational purchase it, it, it's, it's people that are settling for the wrong, the wrong person. Someone that God has not designed. For, what fellowship does light have with darkness? We're settling for the wrong people. And, and to the singles in the room, I want you to listen to me. God has uniquely designed someone for you and he's designed you for them. You need to stand on that. Listen, you might think that your biological clock is ticking, but don't you think for one second that God is bound by time at all. In the, in the scriptures, we know when he gave old women, children, don't you worry about whether or not your biological clock is ticking or not. You need to, to not settle. You need to wait for whoever God has designed for you. And in your search for Mr. Right, don't you settle for Mr. Right now. In your search for Mrs. Right, don't you settle for Mrs. Right now. When looking for your connection, don't settle at the altar of convenience because it messes you up. And there's consequences for that for the rest of your life. I, I don't mean to preach at the singles. I, I, didn't, I didn't start today thinking this was going to be a, a sermon aimed at the singles. But I guess it's because you're not invited to the marriage conference and God wants you to be blessed. So there you go. You listen, you listen to Pastor Rocky. Maybe next year you'll have your significant other. And, uh, but you're going to have to plan that wedding quick. So Sure. Sure, it could be something that God never intends for us to have or something that God doesn't want us to have right now. And we keep getting ahead of God because we keep pushing. We hear a voice, but it's not the voice of our shepherd. It, it's someone wanting to guide and lead us, but it's the voice of the enemy. Jesus said, 
My sheep will know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Listen, when you've got that urge, when you've got that craving, when you have that desire, when your appetite is, is, is rising up, what you need to do is just push back and say, God, guide me, lead me. God will never punish you. I've, I've preached this so many times. God will never punish you for hesitating and waiting to make sure it's of him. Why would God do? He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to know that it's his calling, that he's lighting that path, that he's directing those steps. My whole life, my whole adult life, I've probably hesitated way too many times, but God's not angry with that. I'm convinced God honors that. That's why I lay fleeces out, because I want to know that it's God before I, I take that step on life-changing decisions. Adam and Eve's desire to know more than what God wanted them to know in that moment became the very weapon that Satan used against them, and that's what the enemy does. He finds that area that you're weak in. He finds where you're lacking, where you feel like you're deplenished. And he'll find that area, and that's where he'll weave in his temptation. He exploits what you think you're missing. And if we're not careful, we'll get ahead of God in the process. And we'll know things that we shouldn't know. They weren't ready to know good and evil. They were not mature enough to handle that. It was not God's plan. It was not his desire in church. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. It's a horrible feeling when you know something that you shouldn't know. When you've been down a road that you shouldn't have traveled. When you said yes when you should have said no. We'll know things that we shouldn't know when we get ahead of God. We, we'll try things that we shouldn't try. We'll commit the things that we have no business committing to. And we'll seek things that we should not seek. 1 John 2 and 16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from the world. We must be careful, church, not to let our desires, our appetites, our cravings get ahead of God. The second warning, and then I'm going to close this out. second warning is when we use the right things in excess or in the wrong way. The right things in excess or the wrong way. You see, God didn't want them not to eat. He gave them plenty of fruit to eat. But sometimes we'll partake of things that might not necessarily be wrong, but it's wrong at the moment. Adam and Eve were inquisitive. God made them that way. We know that. But they allowed their cravings to overtake his commandment. Water, we know, is essential for life. The human body is made up of about 66% water, depending on your, your source of information. You, usually somewhere between 60 and 68% is, is what most sources say. So 66% of us, of our body, is, is made up of water. We know that, that water runs through the blood, it inhabits the cells, it resides in our organs, and it, and it lurks in all the spaces in between. We need water. How many of you agree we need water? We need it. 
Whether we drink enough or not, we need it. You'll probably start feeling better if you drink water. You will. Replacing water in our bodies is essential. But rehydration, something that is necessary, it can be overdone. And there's this thing that I've read about called fatal water overdose. In 2007, there was this 28-year-old California woman that died after competing in a radio station's on-air water drinking contest. Now listen, this is tragic, but it's just crazy enough where it's a little humorous too, so stay with me. This lady downed six liters of water in three hours in an on-air contest called Hold Your Wii for a Wii, W-I-I, a Nintendo game system. Hold your Wii for a Wii. Crazy, right? I, I don't even know how to recover from telling this story. I like no idea where, where. Something that is good for her in too much excess. The woman began vomiting. She went home with a splitting headache. And the report said that she died from so-called water intoxication. And sometimes the enemy will get us with this. The things that are not necessarily wrong in the right place in the right time can even be ordained of God can become excess in our lives if we're not careful some of you, God has blessed you with a spouse, but you've put that spouse up on the pedestal above God. And there's an expectation from your spouse that he or she will never be able to live up to because you've put them ahead of God. For some of you, you've put your children Ahead of God, the divine order, you, you've put them as more important. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. You've put your kids above God. There's nothing wrong with wanting success. There's nothing wrong with striving to be a success, to be an achiever. But when that career climbs up the pedestal above God... There's problems. It's out of whack. It's not necessarily evil, but it becomes evil by the priority that you place on it. Our appetites should not be fulfilled by too much of the wrong thing or the right thing used in the wrong way. We must do better. And I think that God is just going to use this series to prepare us, church, to have godly desires, to stop settling for what the enemy is whispering in our ear and saying, this is what you need. You need more knowledge. Now step back and say, no, 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 no. In God's timing, I'll know. We've got to learn to wait and trust in God. 
But, but, but it looks so good. It looks so, it's so appealing. It's so appetizing. Eve saw the tree. She saw that it was good for food and that it was pleasing to the eye. It looks so good. And what will happen is Satan will paint a picture to make it look and taste good. It feels right. And you'll have a hard time convincing yourself that it's not. But from a, an outside perspective, everyone else can see. Everyone else that's godly can see it's not meant for you. And you'll actually say to yourself, if this isn't God's desire for me, why wouldn't he just make it less appealing? This must be his will. But let, me, let, me talk, let me get real plain with you, okay? If he or she is not God's, God's will for me, why is it so easy for me to talk to her? Why... Why do we have so many things in common? I've never had this many things in common with my spouse. I'm, I'm saving somebody's marriage right now. More importantly, God is saving somebody's marriage right now. You better listen to me. Because the enemy has some enticing fruit hanging before you right now. And he is blinding you and he's giving you half-truths. If you don't think the enemy has the ability to convince you that you are with the wrong person and that there's someone better for you, friend, you are mistaken. And what you need to do in your life is you need to surround yourself with godly friends, godly mentors, people that can speak truth and life into your life that will guide you. They know the scripture. They know how to lead you. They know how to guide you. And you better stop listening to some of those friends that they, that they don't have a God agenda at all. Because Satan is, they are the mouthpiece for Satan. And you need to stop going to them for advice. Be their friend. Be there for them. But if they're not godly, then you need to stop taking your cares and concerns and your life to them for, for advice. Because they're never going to lead you in the ways of righteousness. Never. And God wants to speak to us over the next I don't know how many weeks. I don't even know where I'm heading next week with this, but we'll figure it out. God wants to use this church to open our eyes to the schemes of the enemy because we don't have to settle for less than what is godly. We are the people of God. He cared and loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Why wouldn't he want to guide us and lead us into righteousness? Young and old in this room, you listen to me. The enemy is speaking and he's speaking loud. You better step back, push back, and you better wait on God because at the right moment, God will bless. At the right moment, he'll give you whatever it is that you're craving. But right now, some of you, you don't even know what that is and what that looks like. And until you allow God just to be God, until you learn to wait, you'll get ahead of God and you'll fulfill that craving. And it's a deep hole to dig out of. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.